probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good evening and the warmest of welcomes to Sports Talk, your one-stop shop for the best of Bryanston and world sport. I'm Dr Pullen and whether you're finishing off that assignment or chilling in the cafe, we'll be with you live all the way until 9.30 and we have an absolute crackerjack of a show. In our Bry Sports section we'll be unpicking all the action from a huge Saturday of sport, focusing in on rugby and talking about one of the great derbies of the sporting world. It is of course Bryanston versus Camford before addressing the biggest stories from a tough hockey block fixture versus Marlborough. We'll then be broadening our perspective to address the big news from the world of sport, talking about the ongoing Cricket World Cup and upcoming football one, and we want you, our listeners, to get involved. You can do this throughout the show by texting us on 66777, quoting the word Bry, dropping us a message on Instagram, or even calling in on 0333552555. We'd love to hear your views on anything we have to say. But that's enough from me for now. Now, let me introduce you to our incredible first team of pundits, representing this week our team of the week, which is, of course, uh, the Rugby First 15. So I'm joined in the studio by uh, two uh, titans of the team that beat Camford on Saturday, the First 15 that beat Camford, uh, who have appeared on this uh, show before. I've got Ollie with me and Paddy with me. Welcome back on the show, boys. Thank you very much, Mr Pullen. Thanks, sir. And I'm joined also by uh, Sports Talk, ever-present, uh, regular, go-to-the-postman-man, whatever, uh, Mr. Morris here. Uh, welcome back on the show, Mr. Morris. Good evening, Dr. Pullen. And for the first time, actually, we've got a very special guest in the show. I should say before going any further, I have got another mainstay of the show, Hugh, in our producer's chair. Fear not, though, fans, you will be hearing his views on cricket, rugby and everything else at some point during the show. Uh, but before him, I'm just going to introduce Mr. Elric. Welcome to the show, Mr. Elric. Thank you very much, Dr. Pullen. So, I'm just going to start with Mr. Elric before we talk a little bit more about rugby, because we like to introduce our new pundits and our new coaches on this show. So, Mr. Elric, um, you've got a bit of a backstory with Bryanston. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about it. Yeah, so uh, I am indeed an OB. I did go to school here for uh, for sixth form, and now uh, I've come back as a resident, coach a bit of rugby, teach a bit of PE, and uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it so far. Okay, so when you tell us you uh, coach a bit of rugby, tell us a little bit more about that. What are your credentials, Mr. Elric? Um, I guess you could say my, my experience with rugby is I, I played um, professionally for five years. There um, we go. Three years of Bath, <laughs> uh, a few years abroad in Italy. Um, Played uh, for Italy under twenties, and I guess yeah. Uh, after, at the end of a career, I start, now start coaching, and uh, yeah, really enjoying it so far. Yeah, so I think we'll all agree that's a pretty uh, glittering CV uh, as a sports resident. And Mr. Eric, what's been your early impressions coming back into Bryanston Rugby of the setup currently? Yeah, um, I think um, compared to my day, I guess it's it's a lot more. Uh, Boys a lot more kind of tuned in and switched on to it. Uh, back in mind, you know, there was, there, was a, there was a bit less kind of uh, commitment to the cause. I think now we've got a really good group, a really eager group, which have uh, share a common goal. And I think that's, that's what makes the group a pleasure to work with. And so in your playing days, did you play in two uh, Camford first-team derbies for Bryanston? I did, I did. I, I played in a, in a couple of them, and, and sadly I never quite got the victory, but there was a few hotly contested games, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's always a, an, an amazing event to play in, and uh, the crowd always gets behind it. But sadly, I, I never quite got the, the win. 
I should say also, obviously, many of our listeners will know that Mr. Morris is also a Brian Stenobi. Uh, I should just say an OB. Uh, Mr. Morris, did you ever ever win a ever ever win a, a first fifteen cam for Derby? Because you were right on that kind of cusp of the sort of changing eras, weren't you? Uh, unfortunately, no. I played in um, three first team games versus Camford, and I unfortunately lost all three. Probably biggest Bryanson regret is I was part of the first Bryanson first team to lose in over 25 years to Camford by a point in 2015. So that's the kind of history this this game has. We are thankfully joined by two boys who have won a Camford derby. <laughs> <laughs> um, because on Saturday, uh, in what was a gripping uh, game uh, down on the first 15 pitch, our boys got over the line beating Camford uh, 17-10 in front of an enduring crowd. Boys, um, let's start with Ollie because obviously there's quite a lot to take away from this game and we'll hear the kind of coaches and analysts uh, perspective first of all what did it feel like boys in terms of the preparation for this game did it feel bigger than your average block fixture in terms of the build up to it uh, definitely I would say boys were well since it's a camper game they were definitely up for it it was definitely a lot more motivating a lot more minds kind of locked into the game. Um, everyone was very excited to play. And then when we came out, the atmosphere was just, it was crazy, you know, having a tunnel of students running through and then filling the sides is is a crazy experience. Paddy, have you ever have you ever played in front of a crowd like that before? No, I haven't. And it was, it was like Ollie said, it was amazing with all the students, you know, lined up and the noise as we came out from the sidelines. Like when we scored the tries, it was just like I'd never heard it from a Bryanston sideline before. It was just pretty, uh, pretty unreal. Yeah, and I, ha- I have to admit, Mr. Morris and I were taking sort of under fourteen games, all the other, all the other, the other side of the playing fields towards sort of Causeway or whatever it's called, and literally. It was a horrendous day on Saturday. The weather was atrocious, but you could still hear these roars. And I remember whilst sort of refing the game, thinking, oh, what's going on here? There's either Camford have brought a really uh, raucous away support, or we're actually, we're actually doing the job here. Um, so, boys, what, did, what were the words from the coaches uh, before you went out to the field? Did Mr. Elwood give you any uh, good choice words of advice? Um, he was kind of like, you know, it's such a big occasion you can't you can't muck about in training now for the whole week um all the boys train really well um and it was kind of like this is a once this is your last time for 80s playing Camford so this is kind of your last chance to to just prove yourself as a team i think i think the biggest thing that i think i took away especially what mr elric said is that don't let the occasion get to you because it was such a big occasion like all the students watching all the press on the the posters around school all of that stuff and everything everyone was so excited about it and mr elric basically just said don't let the occasion get to you and i think it was really wise words yeah absolutely mr elric what what had you guys been working on in the build-up to the game any particular points was it just more about concentrating on executing the basics under pressure on match day yeah just kind of to build on what Paddy was saying I think that we just tried to treat it very much like any other game as I said as Paddy was saying there's a, there's a lot of noise around this game everyone wants to kind of chime in their opinion and their thoughts on it because everyone's kind of got a bit of a stake in it whether it's you know a personal relationship with someone from Camford you know the boys our boys and their boys know each other very well um, they're, all, they're all kind of it's, it's a very as I said, it's, a, it's a derby so everyone kind of knows everyone so we were trying to kind of set take ourselves away from that and just focus on the rugby the bits that we can control and very much trying to keep you know the important talk within the, the boys in the circle where it actually mattered and not kind of off the pitch and in irrelevant places yeah absolutely and so boys the weather was obviously appalling how did that play into kind of your strategy going into the game well we we knew from when we woke up it was going to be a pretty dire day with the weather um and i was thinking 
my throws are not going to be straight because of the because <laughs> of the because of the um, the wet. But we knew it was going to be a forwards game. Stick it up the jumper, put it up. But to be honest, we our backs did fire and they scored all three tries. So we can't can't say anything bad about them. But I think we were thinking it was going to be a forwards game, and it really was. But Ollie, anything to say about that, mate? Yeah, I mean Paddy's throws, couple of drop catches, but it was, it, was, it was all around a hard hard fought performance from all the boys. Um, you know, weather obviously plays a massive part in. Uh, in rugby games, especially when it's such such a high pressure game like Canford, so boys definitely did well considering the conditions. Yeah, we may as well bring in an expert opinion on that. While before talking about the sort of story of the game, Mr. Alec, what is it like trying as a hooker trying to throw under pressure and in the wet like that? Um, it's one of those. So hooking is probably one of those jobs that few people can relate to, but it's, yeah. it's one of those that it's a very specific, especially line up throwing. It's a very specific skill that actually like a lot of factors go into and, and especially weather it's one of those things that regardless of if it's a little tiny bit of wind or loads of rain or hail like it'll always get to you it'll always play in the back of your mind so the more you can kind of break down your process and stick to kind of your your cues and your routine the the better off you'll be so and if you're being honest in your sort of post in your competitive rugby career have you ever had a game where you sort of lost it with your throwing and it's sort of gone to pot yeah, 100% I've had I've had plenty of those games yeah. on big occasions um, where uh, you know whether it's you know my mistake or whether it's the wind or something I, I, I had let's say I've, I've, I've had a few consecutive stinkers um, and the key there is just how you bounce back it's not necessarily trying to fix it right in the moment and, and dwelling on it it's just moving on to the next job forgetting about the last mistake and just trying to uh, just trying to make it right for all our listeners out there, all you young sports people, those are some great words to bear in mind, I reckon. You know, hear it from the best, that we all make mistakes, it's how you move on from that. Right, returning to the game then, chap. So, obviously in advance, you guys as forwards knew you had a tough game. Who else in the pack really fronted up in that first half to kind of set the tone? I think I think Benny Rotmankowski... Benny, sorry, yeah. uh, carried carried very, very well. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he was who's, good. Who's in uh, A3, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as a front row we had quite a tough day because um, they had a very very strong front row but I thought we all everyone in the front and the pack actually held out well towards the end um, but yeah it was a really strong performance from all the boys close to any standout players for you? Um, I obviously gave Henry man of the match um, his just his tackle count turnover count was just exceptional you know work rate around the pitch um, and for him being you know a more agile forward more mobile forward I definitely played into his hands less than a bigger forward who would kind of not be as mobile around the pitch. He couldn't do as much, so he definitely had a very good game. Yeah, and uh, Paddy's pointing at you as well, so I presume you had a good game, or or I, I don't know. But anyway, um, and then boys. So obviously, on a day like Saturday, it can be hard. I'm, I'm sure you'll appreciate. I mean, being forwards, I'm sure we will appreciate the hard work you do. But obviously, being a back, it's quite hard to sort of stay patient. How much ball were they actually getting, and how, what did they do with it when they actually got it? The backs on Saturday. Um, I mean, the scrums were quite frustrating. So for the backs, especially, we definitely had a. A run of scrums which didn't maybe not have gone our way. Yeah. Um, but I think when they when when the ball did go to them, they definitely broke the line more than more than once. Um, I mean, they they scored all three of our tries. Yeah. But um, when they, when they got the ball, they definitely definitely made an impact. Yeah. Am I right that um, George L scored his first try for the first fifteen? Yeah. Big scenes for George. Yeah. Big really scenes good. for George. Dom Dom H as well yeah. scored a, a nice finish. Yeah. On the, as per. And who else? Who was the third? Do we remember who the third score uh, Charlie was? Charlie L. Charlie L. Okay, so yeah, nice, nice range there. Um, 
so obviously the first thing we take away from it is a great win against a great rival but word on the street uh, from some of you know seasoned observers and coaches and stuff is that it could have been even better boys are we are, is there is there even room to improve on Saturday's performance 100% 100% yeah. like we I was saying to the boys today that we weren't that wasn't our best game yeah if that was a dry day and we were using our backs to full advantage we would have put 40 30 points on them yeah I think our best game we played all season was probably Dean Close yeah uh, on, on that Friday night yeah if we can play like that every single week and we can uh, we'll, I think the unbeaten season is on the cards yeah yeah um, I mean now like in training today we've tweaked our scrums um, gotten more synchronised line outs tweaked our lifts or calls just if they weren't working on on Saturday just preparing for either future wet weather or just an other occasion so we're definitely definitely changing yeah and I mean in terms of preparation the game to look at most immediately is your one on Thursday versus Ivy Bridge right yes yeah, correct so and that's what the third round of the cup or fourth fourth round of the cup sorry being corrected having uh, the boys having beaten Dean Close um, on the final day before half term apparently a fantastic game you know where for the first time apparently according to Mr Drake everything fired on all cylinders and you know as you said probably the performance of the season what are you guys going to have to bring to that game on Thursday to progress further in the cup I think going to Thursday after Canford we're going to have to keep the same or up the intensity just knowing that it's a cup game and if we lose we're out completely yeah. so we can't just kind of rest on Canford on yeah. the win on Canford we have to keep going Yeah. and um, our coach today was like you can't just use Canford's game as a win yeah. and he described it as a trap game yeah. like you use that win and then you're not focusing on any other games so we've got to progress forward and definitely bring the intensity in that game because we we could be knocked out we we maybe not mm, absolutely and you know it's, it's there's that temptation as you say to treat the derby as the kind of culmination of the season but really it's about i guess it's about now for you guys almost i don't know can you claim it as an unbeaten season if you go all the way we because there, there were a few training games that we lost but in terms of like main season rugby it's been pretty clean hasn't it mr owen yeah, I guess it's one of those things like you can always dream of the unbeaten season. Um, it's not something we really, uh, not that we don't like to speak about it, but one of the things maybe we don't really want to jinx. Yeah. Like we're just taking kind of a, a week at a time, yeah. um, taking each match as it comes and, and, and just focusing, focusing on each week. Um, you know, it gets a bit dangerous to look too far ahead and because yeah. then you end up not focusing on what's in front of you. Um, I, did, I think just for me with this group, the mo- one of the most encouraging things really is that actually what start off what what's, they seem to be punching about the right way, but actually now they've reached the point where actually they're playing, they're beating teams that they deserve to be beating, and there's still so much more room to grow. Absolutely. So we're just taking uh, each game as it comes, and yeah, getting better each week, really. Yeah, and I guess one challenge moving forward, a bit like uh, what we talk about sometimes with football on here, is the balance of balancing the amount of fixtures and game time and whatever. Because am I right that you probably have a game on Saturday as well after Thursday? Yes, yeah, PGS, isn't PGS. It? PGS, yeah. And so are we gonna is that we gonna see the team change at all, or are you guys just gonna back yourself to show up and and have the have the have the stamina within you to play Thursday and Saturday? I think I think we there may be some changes just for I don't know fitness or injuries or whatever. We don't know what will come up on that Thursday game, but I think if we can put the full strength side out, we will. And hoping for a win there as well. Yeah, it will be very much on a, kind of, on a case by case basis. We'll kind of yeah. we'll assess the team after the game, see where everyone is physically, and then those who we feel are, are good to go on the Saturday will go on the Saturday, and those who maybe need a bit more rest um, will be rested. But it will all depend on kind of how the boys are after the game on Thursday. And I mean, we've spoken a bit about we've spoken about it a bit on this show, but it's actually one of the serious strengths of this group of senior boys, isn't it? That there are actually you know there are a decent squad of people who can step in and do a job, right? 
Ollie? Yeah, we've definitely got we've got a, we've definitely got a wider squad to pick yeah. from. Yeah. Um, but also one thing which helps is that since most of the boys we have such good chemistry between each other, mm. either being in the same year or close to the year below, it helps just knowing that you may have a backup or you have someone potentially taking your position. Yeah. So all the boys work hard knowing that you know they could be dropped, they couldn't be. Um, and it just helps because for people knowing that you know they're not just a certified position for the whole season, yeah, it definitely helps yeah. kind of getting a whole view of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Right, boys, I think that probably brings an end to a chat about our first team. We're going to play a quick song by Green Day, or uh, and when we get back, actually, we're going to be talking about some of the other fixtures that happened on Saturday, maybe having a little chat with Hugh about the under-16s, uh, and then hopefully getting some guests in uh, to talk about the under-14 game against Camford, which sounded pretty exciting. Back in a couple of minutes.
Good evening and welcome back to Bry Radio Sports Talk. The time is 25 to 9 and we're going to be talking a bit more rugby and I've been joined here by uh, some of our younger pundits we've had on the show uh, in the show's history. We've got a few D-boys in here representing uh, the under uh, 14As. We've got uh, Will, Teddy and Theo with us alongside still Mr. Morris and Mr. Elric. So boys, and we'll start probably with Will I guess. Um, How's it been so far, rugby in Bryanston at, at Bryanston in general? Uh, I think it's been a really good start as a first team into Bry Rugby for the under-14s. It's been a strong start as well. We drew to Camford and uh, lost to Beechland. Those are the only two games that we haven't won so far. I think it's been a successful start. Yeah, and uh, while you're there, what would you say so far have been the kind of strengths of your team so far? I think just the connection between each of us because we've all become really, really good friends with each other. Yeah. And I just think the links between all of us and just knowing how to behave with each other is really good just because we can just bond as a team. Fantastic, fantastic. So, Teddy, moving to you quickly, um, what did it feel like in terms of the build-up to this game on Saturday? Because obviously you guys haven't been here for that long, but you probably would have heard about the noise, all the background noise about Bryanston, Camford, and it being such a big fixture. Did it? Did you feel that even in D, uh, building up to the fixture? Well, yeah, because, well, especially me, because I knew quite a lot of the players before. Yeah. Like And now like they played for Camford, yeah. so it was quite a big game. So for me, yeah. So did did you feel the kind of need to kind of show to your show to your former mates like what Bryanston Sports all about and stuff? And well, yeah, we needed to like really perform on the pitch and like not lose our concentration that much. So. Yeah, well, absolutely, M- Mr. Morris. If I can just bring you in here, well, did you try like Mr. Eric to kind of downplay the Camford thing, or did you try and use it as a means to big up the boys in advance of the game? Um, I think I probably went a little bit. More on the bigging it up um, as an OB. As actually. an OB, I think with the younger boys, okay, I think I think it's a really good thing to build that build that rivalry from the start. Okay, and when they, when they get to an older age, they can then tone it down, and it can be sort of just another game. Just another but game. As when uh, you're Ollie said, when you're what seven weeks into your your Bryanston life, and it's the first time to play Camford, I think it's a it's a it's a really exciting opportunity, and the boys handled it really well, and we didn't have we didn't have any, any ill discipline or anything like that. So it was a really really exciting performance. Yeah, so I mean, getting towards the game then, so it was a, a 10 all draw, which according to both uh, sets of supporters and coaches was a fantastic game. Uh, Theo, what position were you playing on, on Saturday? Inside centre. Inside centre. And, you know, as a back in, in in those kind of conditions, what were the challenges you had to face? Very wet. Yeah. Uh, it was very windy. Yeah. Slippy, so almost, it was hard to catch ball. Yeah. So you had, it was short passes. It was a bit more of a forwards game, pick and goes. Yeah. Um... But yeah, we got the ball a bit through the backs. And who, in your opinion, were the sort of uh, standout performers in the game from the f- f- well, forwards or backs? Teddy. Teddy definitely played well. Yeah. Will yeah. played well, and. Uh, well, that's a good start. Yeah. Two two standouts, pretty good. Uh, 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 let's go to Teddy. Teddy, what position were you playing on Saturday? Uh, I was playing at fullback. Okay. Um, well, like when we're in defence, we really needed to get the ball out. Yeah. And then when we were attack, like I just joined the line, yeah. and we were just making good carries. Fantastic, fantastic. And and you know, did you have the same problem? I did Camford test you under the high ball at all? Or uh, yeah, I dropped a couple of balls, but then like recovered them. Yeah, and yeah. Mr. Mo- I've seen Mr. Morris. You've been working a bit on this, a bit 
uh, on this in training since Saturday, haven't you? I see you play a bit of the kicking game. Yeah, we were playing kicking game yesterday with um, Dr. Backer. It's one of his favourite yeah, games to go with the 14. It's, a, it's a classic Bryson Stewart game by Dr. Yeah. Dr. Yeah. Um Yeah. Yeah, and and so uh, Will, in terms of the, in terms of the pack, what what sort of physical challenge did Camford face in terms of the size? Were you evenly matched, or I think we were quite evenly matched. They had some big boys. We have quite big boys in our yeah. pack, but I think we might have been a little bit bigger. But I think they played a bit better in the scrum. I think they yeah. beat us in the scrum a bit. I think we need to work on yeah. that a little bit. And in the moves, just getting quite a bit lower. But otherwise, very evenly matched in the pack. Yeah, and am I right in thinking this was your first go at fully contested scrums this season? Or um, We've tried it a, tried bit, it a bit against Beecham, but yeah. then we stopped just because we hadn't done it that much. But it was our first whole game of doing contested scrums. Yeah, so actually to front up and, you know, not, not that to not be too big a problem seems pretty good. So, boys, I guess that's a great result to take away. Was there a chance you could have won this game, though? I think we could have won the game if from the start we played a bit more to the conditions yeah. by playing forwards game yeah, as pick yeah, and go. Yeah. So I think there is a chance, bit less drop balls, but that's just the weather really and yeah. just, it happens. So yeah. I think we could have in the end. But yeah, I'm just going to come to one of the coaches on this one because it's a constant debate we have in this studio. To what extent do you think, either of you, it's important to coach an all-round game of rugby or prepare a team for the conditions on the Saturday? Like, do you in advance of Saturday say to these boys, actually just keep the ball in the forwards and win the game? Or do we think more holistically? I, th- I think it's one of those that it very much kind of depends on the age group. I- I'm very much a fan of maybe a-, a younger age group actually trying to just build their whole understanding of the game yeah. and then just seeing, you know, kind of what sprouts from that. Um, you never want to kind of... You don't want to kind of narrow a team's vision too much because later on down the road, you don't know how they're going to develop. Yeah. Uh, you might have a team that actually at the beginning is quite small, so you make them play one way. Comes a few years, they're all shoot up and they're all six foot three with beers and actually you've got to kind of find another way to play and they're not quite used to that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a big fan of early on kind of developing the whole rugby the whole rugby catalogue of skills and I think that's how you kind of get the most purchase later on. Then, when, then, you, uh, then later on you can specialise. And Miss Morris, I imagine you agree with that point of view. Yeah, I definitely agree with that point of view. It was really, um, it was really nice to see on Saturday. Actually, uh, I think about probably ten minutes into the game, the boys realised what the conditions were and how they could then develop and adapt tactically. Um, and that was really pleasing to see that all the stuff we've been talking about, um, not just around the pick and goes and all this, but they they recognised and they made their own decision. It wasn't something that I said in a huddle or anything like that. It was it was on them, and they started to play this way and. That was really exciting to see that they they had that game understanding only if only just over half a term into their, into their life here. Yeah, that's great to hear. So, boys, just coming back to you for probably a, a final question, really. Where where do you boys as a year group think your team can go? I mean, what's the potential of this group of under fourteen players at the moment? I think we have a very very strong side for just under fourteens. Yeah, and I think we could go a very very long way as a team. We can bond well. We can yeah. play together really well. I think. By sixth form, we could have an amazing team, just building together, keeping it same, keeping it the same squad, just building and building, so we can get better and better as a team. Fantastic to hear, and I guess our, the ne- the third, the next game is uh, PGS on Saturday. Am I right? Yeah, that is correct. And there, you know, PGS are, are normally not quite as strong as Camford. Um, but uh, they they can they normally have some quite big boys, so it can be quite a good battle. So, are you boys looking forward to that? Yeah, we're looking forward to it. I think, well, because it's under 14, you never know what to expect. It's a new year, really, for us, so haven't played them yet. So I think it'll be a good test because we don't know what we'll be expecting, really. 
Well, we'll probably leave it on that, boys. Thank you very much. Three very brave uh, D boys coming on air um, to talk some rugby. That's going to be... We're going to have another quick break before we get talking um, some hockey. And we'll be talking the block fixture against Marlborough, including a gritty uh, game uh, for the first 11. Back in a couple of minutes for a bit of the... Feeling my way through the darkness Guided by a beating heart I can't tell where the journey will end But I know where to start They tell me I'm too young to understand They say I'm caught up in a dream Well life will pass me by if I don't open up my eyes So that's fine by me So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I didn't know I was lost So wake me up when it's all over When I'm wiser and I'm older All this time I was finding myself And I Welcome back to Bry Radio Sports Talk. The time has just gone past uh, quarter to nine. And we are now shifting our focus uh, from, obviously, the big block fixture against Camford to talk a little bit of hockey. And we're joined by actually quite regular uh, Bry Radio pundits these days, uh, Rom and uh, Bells. Welcome to the studio, girls. Thanks hey. for having us. Welcome back. Um, so, talking hockey. 
Girls, it's been on the whole a pretty solid season for the for the first eleven hockey so far. Ooh. Would you are you are you going to disagree with me on that one? <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to disagree. Yeah. But I I I think actually we've done pretty well. I mean, we've had some pretty strong opponents, so I think considering that those circumstances, I think we've done all right. Yeah. So in comparison to last year, yeah. I think last year we won. Two games? Yeah, the, the improvement has, yeah, the improvement from last year has been really noticeable. And it is worth stressing that, again, that the girls do play a really tough fix to this. So last week, uh, a busy week for you for you two. Uh, St Mary's Khan on the Tuesday, so that's the Tuesday back after half term, a thumping 6 1 win. Do you remember anything from that game? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, all I can remember, to be honest, all I can remember is that it was the best. I think we'd ever played as a yeah. team yeah. in terms of everyone kind of worked together. Everyone gave everything. Like, there was a lot of effort put in. Yeah, everything everyone worked was left so well. on the pitch. Yeah. But apart from that, I can't really remember anything. I mean, no, no details about who I, scored. I remember oh, one thing in particular. Okay, so let's hear it. We'll talk sounds, about, it sounds like a, a, a sort of a bit of a personal story about so someone in the studio. this is... <laughs> We were doing extremely well, and Hero had just scored her hat trick. Okay, there we go. And um, then Rom takes the short corner, and we decide it's you know it's our slightly more complex tactic. And, How um, complex? I want the short corner. Oh, the uh, okay, so and, and you explain in, this in details. I can't. Okay, so Francesca would hit the ball out to Hero. She would take a touch and then put it through her legs. Okay. Where I would then pick it up, put it on your backhand, put it on my backhand, and have a shot. Okay. Can I just say it had been raining all day? It was quite slippery. And, it was very slippery. Wrong. And before we get to the execution of this move in the game, had it worked in training? Had it? Uh, yes. Yeah. But without defence, I think maybe Rom got flustered, or I'm not quite sure what happened. I got Rom. a bit panicked. Okay. <laughs> reveal what happened. So uh, yeah, Rom goes. She takes to her side, goes to hit it. Slips, falls, drops her stick, face plants, but then carries on to lie on the floor while we all go. We're all in complete hysterics at this point. The other team are all wondering what on earth's going on. And uh, yeah, no, we missed the goal. So. Oh dear. Yeah, it wasn't a problem. Uh, but these, these things happen. I, I presume we were sort of 5 0 up or whatever. Oh, yeah, oh, no, we, we were 6 1 well. by this okay, point, so, so Mr. Morris was kind of. So it's actually a good chance to experiment. Good. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly, so, uh, exactly. So you use that training gap ground move and uh, bring it onto the pitch. So. Then we face, well, what's famously quite a tough block fix on Saturday, uh, Marlborough. And were you girls home or away? I can't remember. We were home. Yeah. Home. Okay, so you didn't have to go the, make the journey there. Um, so on paper, uh, quite a tough defeat. But by all accounts, actually, not a bad performance from the team. No, not at all. So last year, we lost, I think, about possibly over 10-0 okay. to this team. As in, we got properly... Last we like year. to be open and honest in this show <laughs> yeah, about the um, feeds, yeah. Yes. So this year we also found out that they have eight academy players yeah. and thought, oh, good, Uh-oh. let's carry this on. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we ended up putting out one of, I think, possibly could have been better than the Khan oh, yeah. game performance. Yeah. Everyone was just having as many shots as they I could. I was so surprised. Running around, like, I'm pretty sure everyone ran about 12k in that match. Yeah. yeah. And we came up with a Okay, it was a 2-0 loss, but... 2-0? I thought it was 4. Well, oh. keep it as 2-0. We'll four keep nil. it as 2-0. No, nil, we'll, keep, we'll keep it as 2-0. <laughs> oh, I yeah. thought it was 2-0. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it as 2-0. Okay, keep going, wrong. We'll yeah. <laughs> um, but it didn't... I mean, normally after matches when we lose, we do. We're all quite 
downhearted. Yeah. But this time everyone was quite upbeat because I think... We just played so well. Yeah. And even they were quite shocked. Like, one of the girls came up to me afterwards and I'm like, God, you all played quite, like, very well. Okay, well, like, that's, yeah, that's, quite, that's a compliment because they are hockey uh, royalty. I was just wondering, girls, because we sort of asked this a little bit with the rugby boys, is there ever a temptation to basically when you're playing against a really good opposition, sort of play a little bit defensively and just try to avoid losing as badly as possible? Or you, or is, does Mr. Morris encourage you to keep attacking and keep doing your I thing as well as possible? I think it's the balance. Yeah. I mean, he but, has in time, like, often if we're playing quarters or halves, he'll often just be like, kid, now let's play let's, defensively yeah. or let's play. Yes, sure, but I think our team as well on the whole is more attacking naturally yeah. so we do carry on to and our de- we've probably attempt got, oh yeah, but, and I would also say our going. defenders are the stronger side okay. yeah. so we no, can rely on our defenders yeah and that means we can keep pushing we've got it. so many attacking subs as well so we know that we can kind of run ourselves into the ground and then know we can get a rest yeah. Okay. So, so looking forward into the into the rest of the season, then. So, looking, at, you've got Dauncey's this Saturday, Taunton on Thursday, on the Thursday before Exiat, uh, Wells Cathedral on the Saturday of uh, a week, mm, uh, week ten that must be, week eleven Claysmore, and then Claysmore and Camford. So it's actually a really busy oh, end to the end to the season. How yeah. are we feeling about that? I'm feeling pretty excited. I mean, our last our last season of school hockey. It's so very sad. It's yeah. very so I think I'm going to cry after our last game. Oh, come yeah. on. I hope we well, win. Well, you've got... I mean, it's it's pretty, it's a pretty good way to go out, right? The arch rivals, Camford, oh, yeah. on the final Saturday of oh, term. Oh, God. I mean, presumably you'll, have, you'll get a pretty big crowd for that, right? I mean, I hope so. Well, I mean, yeah, no, we'd hope so. I mean, we started, like, a hockey Instagram to try and get the crowds coming, and yeah. actually it's been working pretty well. I mean, other than our Marlborough game when, obviously... The rugby boys had their huge games. Yeah, so the, yeah the, we had pretty quiet sidelines there. But that but was understandable. Uh, totally understandable. Yeah. I mean, we were very sad we couldn't come watch. And girls, as you sort of, I don't want to stress the point, sort of head into the final stage of your Bryanston hockey career, oh. how do you feel about the position hockey's in here moving forward? Because your team's very young, isn't it? Yeah. So there is some I'm jealous there. of the yeah. people who are in the young years because they are going to have such a good, very yeah. strong... Yeah. team for the next at least three years because as well the under 16s who are going to be bees next year yeah they're insanely good at hockey yes. so they're gonna just oh my god the hockey team's only i'm excited because i feel like since i've i know you have only been here for mm. this your second year but yeah. since d like brian's and hockey hasn't been that strong like it's been good but it hasn't been but you just haven't known had the crop for it of and i feel like this is the first year where kind yeah. of every match the yeah. coach on the other team's gone Oh God! Like this, you've really stepped what's happened up to yeah. you, yeah. and I'm quite liking <laughs> yeah. that reputation. Well, no, that's started. very exciting, and you know, there are. I know there are. You know, you mentioned Hero and Delilah or whatnot, who, who are surely going to be first team players for the rest of their time oh, for sure. at the school. And that's you know, that's sure. you think about what they've got when they'll be in A2. That's a pretty exciting prospect. Girls, one final question: Are you guys? Are you going to carry on playing hockey after you leave the school? Definitely. I mean, I'm already half of my kind of, I literally sent off my uni applications today and half of it was looking at um, kind of unis that were good at, had good sports teams because yeah. I just can't live without it. Yeah. I have not looked that far. In. I mean, I'm hoping at <laughs> yeah. uni I will. Yeah. I like, that's my plan, yeah. but yeah. I'm not. Yeah. It's not. It's not, it's, not, it's, it's, not, it's not. I'm not choosing not, my uni on. Yeah. On, 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 on sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, girls. Well, thank you very much for joining Thanks us for this having evening. Us. No, it's been a pleasure as ever, and we wish you all the best of luck uh, for Saturday against Dauncey's and the rest of the season. We're going to play one quick song, and when we get back, we're going to be talking cricket uh, with a wholly new team of pundits in the studio. Bye.
Welcome back to Sports Talk. We're heading into the world sports section now. Um, and to start off with, we're going to be talking about a favourite sport of mine, as all the listeners know, which is, of course, cricket. And I've got three real fans of the game joining me in the studio. I've got familiar voices, uh, Mr. Morris and Hugh F. But we're also joined by a new pundit uh, for the first time. This is Rannock uh, J, uh, who's joined us in the studio. Rannock, welcome to Bry Radio. How does it feel to be on the airwaves? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, great to hear. And... and we're going to talk cricket. Uh, where does your interest in this game lie? Um, well, I've been playing cricket basically all my life. Um, I've seen my dad play a lot, and um, that's definitely how I got into it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've just been playing it a lot, and, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. Um, and Rannick has just joined the school this year. Um, he's actually a Sri Lanka cricket fan, uh, which is good timing, of course, because we're going to start talking um, about the game on Saturday. Well, I should say, first of all, for those who don't know, we're in the middle of the 2020 World Cup. Uh, uh, England, uh, thankfully, have just about got through their group uh, and are going to play um, uh, are going to play India in a massive game at the Adelaide Oval on Thursday. Um, but that wasn't before they had to squeeze their way past Sri Lanka. Um, Mr. Morris, initial takes uh, on the get take your initial takeaways from the game on Saturday. Um, I think when when I was watching the game, I heard in commentary that the, that the Sri Lanka toast that they posted was twenty short of the the, the lowest toast at the SCG in the tournament so far. So when I heard that, uh, I was pretty confident going into the run chase. Um, England didn't have their best run chase of the tournament. Um, they got off to a bit of a flyer with Butler and Hales, and then um, but then it didn't really kick on from there. There was only one other score in double figures looking on from there and the rest didn't even get past get get anywhere close to double figures. So it was a bit of a stop start um, run chase, but the man of the moment, Ben Stokes, 
he thrived in his pre- in, in, in those pressure situations again and delivered for England. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, Stokes has even got it's even gone as far as people questioning uh, whether he warrants his place in that side. You know, with people like um, uh, uh, I guess um, Duckett on the bench, for example, who was in such good form um, against uh, against Pakistan in the warm up series. Um, but yeah, you're right, Mr. Morris. A man for the moment, certainly. You know, I don't know if you saw much of his innings, but he didn't look in Crate Nick at all. He was scratching around, but did a job. Um, Rannick, I mean, you must have, as a Sri Lanka fan, you must have been over the moon to see the opening partnership and, and what happened at the start of the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, was, I wasn't able to watch any of it. I was in lessons, but um, when I was following it on, uh, on the website, I saw like Pathum and Kosal got off to a really good start, and I was like, it's, it's looking positive. But then obviously um, when the partnership breaks and when there's a long partnership in the, in the opening stand, sometimes um, like the focus kind of breaks off and that's just natural um, when you're batting first. So I feel like that's what happened. Um, in the end yeah absolutely and you know w- w- as as um, well just a cricket fan what do you make of England's bowling attack and what do you think its strengths are yeah definitely I mean going into the game it was a used pitch at the SCG so mo- like most people thought that the, um, the Sri Lankan spinners would be would be dominant over the, the English quicks but then the English people the English ba- bowlers they used um, the slow ball to like like really well so like they slowed the ball down, which obviously made it hard for the English uh, Sri Lankan batters to face. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as as Rannick hinted at that, hinted at there, it was a used pitch for the SCG. Obviously, um, famously one of the grounds that suits slower bowling better um, in Australia. But um, Hugh, I don't know if you've noticed this. The England team, although as Rannick said, are are our sort of headline acts are our seamers in the, you know, Mark Woods bowling absolute rockets at the moment. Mm. Sam Curran is executing to perfection and Chris Wokes is just doing his job. We do have within that team enough spin bowling potential. Do you agree with me? Yeah, well, we got Adil Rashid, who on his day is probably one of the top three white ball bowlers in the world. Moen Ali and Liam Livingston have be- kind of perfected the art of stealing an over. They, they, If you can get those three going in the middle overs, then... That's always going to be good. And when you can intermix that with the variations of Curran and the pace of Wood, then that's a really strong bowling attack. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that particularly that that ability to have Ali, Stokes and Livingston in the side, all as batsmen primarily, who are able to offer you a few overs depending on the match situation, is a pretty desirable one to have um, for a white ball team. Um, and yeah, as we've said, basically... Um, uh, the change-ups that England offered and uh, the spinners slowed them down. Adil Rashid showed up for the first time really in the tournament and bowled very economical four overs. Uh, and in reply, as we said, it looked like for most of England's innings they were going to absolutely cruise home. Um, but then um, essentially... We've seen this a few times before. Um, well, Hasaranga got going really, and England got massively slowed down, uh, and we lost wickets to the extent that we took it to the final over. Um, Rannick, what did you make of uh, Sri Lanka's effort at defending that total? Yeah, definitely, it was really good. Um, I mean, at the start in the first eight overs, I think we considered like seventy-five runs for I think no wickets, um, so that didn't look very good. But then, uh, obviously, Vanindu, Dananje De Silva, and um, Lahiri Kumar really came into the attack and. They um, they kind of guided the Sri Lankan bowling attack and used the slow balls, used the variations that they have um, to kind of 
find the breakthroughs that they needed to make it a tighter game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess another bowler worth net mentioning, I, I'm just mentioning this more out of interest, what, what do you make of Teek Shana's bowling? Because he seems like a really interesting bowler, someone with so many different variations. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the first ball he bowled, I, I saw on the highlights, like drifted in beautifully into the right-hander, and I think that's that's been there throughout the entire um, entire World Cup, his, his drift into the right-hander, which... I think really worked against New Zealand as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, he's just been amazing as well. People are calling it the sort of new arm ball, really. It's just this sort of, I think he like flicks it out his fingers and it just drifts in, basically. Yeah. Um, so, a really useful variation and probably a bowler to watch uh, moving forward um, around the world in um, um, franchise competitions and whatnot. So, I guess, um, uh, Rana, in terms of your takeaways for Sri Lanka from this World Cup, what do they need to develop moving forward? It, to me, as a as not the most well informed Sri Lankan cricket fan, it seems like they're a team that have faced the same problems since the old generation have have gone through the system. In that, it's really the batting, and they, we just in terms of white ball batting, just not enough destructive players, really. Yeah, I feel like we have we have the players that that could definitely take Sri Lankan cricket further up into like the cricketing world but I, it's just like playing under pressure and playing with uh, like that wellness throughout the innings and like doing that consistently is what we need to work on yeah absolutely okay so boys moving on to england and and what's and uh, moving forward in this world cup i don't feel like we've yet performed to our full potential as a team would you agree with me on that anyone ranuk or Hugh or anyone no, i don't I don't properly think so. I don't think every single unit has fired. I think at times different people have looked quite good. Joss Butler's shown flashes. Alex Hales had a decent knock against Sri Lanka, but he he could probably do with some runs. Ben Stokes obviously guided us through, and then towards the back end there'd be some runs going on. But I think if the bowlers and batters can both perform together, then we could get... We could probably do a job on this Indian team. Okay, so that's the big game on Thursday. Let's have a little think about the game tomorrow, New Zealand v Pakistan. Um, boys, what do we reckon about this game? Ranak, what do you think? Who do you think is looking the more likely out of these two teams uh, to get through to the final? Um, well, based off what we've seen in the World Cup, or like in the group stages, I think um, obviously New Zealand seems like the favourite. But then Pakistan always step up when it comes they to do. the big games, like uh, we've seen throughout their cricketing history they've Absolutely. always stepped up when when they needed to so yeah it's 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 a close game but we'll have to see tomorrow yeah you're right in the form suggests that new zealand should get through however you're absolutely bang on again in that pakistan are famous for showing up when it most matters i remember a sort of a champions trophy probably in 2017 where we got through to the final we'd thumped everyone before us sort of pakistan had eat their way there and uh I, it might have been hassan ali or someone showed up on the day bowled us out and and that was that and they do have you know they've got, they've got through to the semi-finals absolutely sort of uh you know by hook or by crook to be honest and that you know they, they lost to zimbabwe and then south africa lost to the netherlands uh but here we go anyway uh so so that's the big game tomorrow hello mr fowler watt who's just joined the studio hello everyone uh, and another great cricket fan we're just talking sir about uh previewing uh the the semi-final uh games essentially so tomorrow we've got uh pakistan uh, versus new zealand and then of course a massive game on thursday
Wednesday, uh, which is uh, England India. And as a group, I don't know if you do. Do you agree with that Rannoch's assessment there, Hugh? That on form, New Zealand are probably the likely team to go through and join us. Well, I'm going to say and join us in the final. That's not particularly <laughs> a bit like premature. Yeah, a um, bit premature. Yeah, I don't think that. Well, if you look at Pakistan's three star players, there. Baba, Rizwan and um, Shaheen Shah and none of them have fired this uh, this series um, or this World Cup the middle order's never really in the last few years it's not really shown signs of getting anywhere and if the best two batsmen aren't, aren't on form then you've got to back New Zealand especially with Trent Bolt opening the bowling Yeah Mr Fallowat I've had a few chats with you about this you're a big fan of this uh, of this current New Zealand side aren't you? Yeah, I think the bowling attack is amazing. I agree. Trent Bolt, I think, is is currently the best bowler bowling out there. I think uh, outstanding bowler, uh, brilliant player. Um, I would say it's slightly the same about England, actually. I mean, I just feel that they there are too many players, batsmen, who are just not on form, and that I don't have any confidence when they go to the they come to the wicket. Even Stokes, I think. Is not really on form, mm. uh, and if Butler and Hales don't don't make the runs, you know Livingston hasn't scored anything. Uh, Ali looks all over the place mm. most of the time. Mm. Yeah, I just worry. But in the T Twenty, of course, it's a one-off game, and that's where I think about Pakistan. They are capable of playing very well when they're in the mood and things go their way. And it wouldn't surprise me if they surprised New Zealand. They've done it before. Yeah, they have done it before. And all yeah. it, you know, Baba Azam is such a quality player. He must be due a score at some point. Likewise, his opening partner, Rizwan, one of the most consistent 2020 batsmen um, over the last few years. So let's see about that game. Let's move on to Thursday's game. Um, I think we've hinted at it. We just want to see England pull the various component parts together and put in that complete performance. Do you think we're capable of doing that, Mr Fowler? I do. I mean, I think in T20, as I say, yes, we're definitely capable of it. I mean, I do think we have big hitters in the team and we only need a couple to come off uh, to, to score a very big score. I think our bowling attack is... Is, if I'm being honest, is a little bit average. Do you think? I, I've, I've always felt that. I mean, I know Wood has been bowling very well, which has given us, you know, something. Curran, I know, has also bowled well. Um, I think our, Rashid had a good game in the last game. So maybe we're coming good at the right time. I think, you know, I wouldn't put money on us beating India, but I don't actually think, I don't know what you'll feel, I don't think India have been looking that good. Rannick, what have you been? What, what, what have you been feel? your takeaways from the Indian performance so far? I mean, I agree with Mr. Fowler in that I think there are some, you know, there are some sleeping giants in there. Kohli's hit form, but I mean, apart from him and and Surya Kumar Yadav, we haven't seen that much from the other big names, right? Yeah, to be honest, Virat Kohli is one of my is my favorite batsman to watch. I I love the way he bats. So I mean, it's been amazing to see him back in form yeah. and scoring the way he used to, but. Yeah, except him and Surya Kumar Yadav, I don't really see anyone else like stepping up. But obviously, they have such quality players who, on their day, could could be the best batsman, best bowler um, out there. So I mean, it's it's really close. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I just um, one thing that I'm a bit scared of. You, you know, someone like Rohit Sharma, for example. Again, a bit like that Babarazam thing. He must be due a score, surely. Hugh, what do you? think Yeah, about well, Kohli had three years off, and he came straight back at 100. Now he's flying off. You feel like Rohit, Rahul, Rashad, they could all f- come into form, and then we're, we'd be in big trouble, especially if Kohli or Yadav start batting well with them. Yeah. And then, so that's that's the India batting. The India bowling, I mean, 
they're, they're probably missing Jasper at Boomerang. Do we agree on that one? Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't excite me how it has if when you've got Boomerang, Shahal, it's, got, it's quite a lot of X Factor, but having Axar Patel, Ashwin, they're both good bowlers, but it's they're not... They're not the world-class world beaters who you've seen. Same with Kumar, Shami, Ashdeep Singh. They're, they're all good bowlers, but I don't think they offer you altogether anything different. Ashdeep Singh maybe, but I think you need a boomer in there to really change things up. Yeah, and I guess, I mean, that bowling area might be one... I mean, I know Mr Fowler what dismissed our attack, but I, I actually think at the moment we seem to have most bases covered, you know, an out-and-out pace bowler, a left armer who's bowling well at the death, Mark, uh, Chris Wokes who just, you know, does a job and bowls a good line and length. And then if Rashid it hits form, then we have that X-factor leg spinner in the middle overs. Ranek, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, on, on, on their day, English uh, the English bowling attack can... can take out any batting attack so yeah it's it's just one of those things i think maybe wokes and stokes are a bit similar you could wokes has been quite good this tournament but given that stokes is opening the bowling which is where wokes could excel you might you could probably get chris jordan in or tim mills who could bowl really well at the death and they've also got that extra speed and if you're those indian yeah i mean that that'd be an interesting call i mean i i personally don't think you're going to change a winning team even if tim mills sort of on paper 95 mile per hour left arm rockets on the bench might seem a bit of a waste but I think Jordan's very unlucky though yeah. and I think Wokes is lucky yeah. you know I think he's there because he's a, he's got he can bat yeah. I, I just think it, it, when the ball's not swinging around much I mean Wokes is fantastic in English conditions mm-hmm. but I think he's the one they'll want to attack yeah I think they'll think they can take they can take 40 or 50 off his overs because uh, I, I think he's very attackable well they're right I mean I mean, Wo- seemingly Wokes gets away just by bowling a particularly good length getting it just about right that it's not because you look at him and you think well yeah if you're a, an opening batsman in 2020 he's the one you're going to go after a bit like sort of Tim Salvey yeah. uh, for New Zealand yeah. just floating it up yeah. on a line length in the knockout stages as well it could come down to the death overs really it, everything's on the line and I would take Chris Jordan every day yeah. as probably the best English death bowler who's not Joffre Archer yeah, yeah, is, isn't he's he carrying a minor injury or something yeah he's back way. bowling he's at touring yeah. with the Lions in the OEE in preparation for the Pakistan test tour which should yeah. be exciting yeah. and I mean one thing about Jordan is that you would get always with him is absolutely world class fielding perhaps the best yeah. fielder in the world okay let's just go around the room then boys who is going to win this World Cup, Mr. Morris? Um, I think we could have a repeat of the 2019 ODI final. I think it'd be an England New Zealand final. Okay. And um, I think New Zealand would do some, do some payback against that. Against that, they in England, um, I would back New Zealand to win this World Cup, I think. Okay. Rannick, who are you backing? Um, to be honest, I've been really negative towards England throughout this entire World Cup. I mean, I've been spoken to all my coaches and I just keep saying England's losing, but they keep winning. Yeah. So um, I think I think, I think, think it's going to be New Zealand, but I, I, it's going to be a close one. So yeah, New Zealand again. Mr. Fowler-Watt. Well, I don't want to be boring, but I think I would, if I, if I was a betting man, which I am occasionally, but not very often, I think I would also go for New Zealand because I think they're, they're due it. Uh, and having said that, that doesn't mean you, <laughs> you're due it, doesn't mean you get it. But no. I do think all round they are probably the most accomplished team. But it, as we know, in a T20, I mean, we could end up with a Pakistan Indian final, yep. India final very easily. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm probably, I think, I don't know, I've got a funny feeling that. 
you know, Ashwin and Axar, or if they pick the wrist spinner, might do a job on us. I'm going to say India might win with a, a Virat Kohli epic run chase against New Zealand, probably in the final. And Hugh, be a bit more positive than all the rest of us. Yeah, I think England are going to. I think South Africa are the best team in the tournament, but they're South Africa, so they choked. Um, <laughs> True. I don't actually. I. Um, yeah, I think probably England will win if if they beat India. Otherwise, um, if India get through, I'd actually back them as well against New Zealand. Okay, there we go. So one person uh, having a bit of positivity. We're going to play one more quick song. And when we get back to the studio, uh, we're going to be talking uh, what was a bumper uh, weekend in the Premier League. Looking a little bit, well, focusing a bit probably on Arsenal, given the oh, the, yes, demo- the demographic of the <laughs> studio currently. And looking towards England's World Cup uh, squad announcement. Back in just a minute. Welcome back to uh, the Bry Radio Studio. The time now is quarter past nine and we're heading into the final segment of the show. Uh, And we're going to be talking football, obviously a regular uh, theme on the show. Um, And the Gunners are still high-flying is the headline at the moment. And we're joined by two massive Arsenal fans in the studio. We've also just been joined by Ethan. Welcome to the show, Ethan. Thank you. We might not spend... Well, we could actually spend some time on Man United, but unfortunately (laughs) we'll be largely negative uh, uh, at the moment. Um, but let's start with Mr. Morris. Can, well, 
I mean, I guess the big question is how long can Arsenal sustain it? Is this the return of the glory days or is it a false dawn? Um, I wouldn't call it a false dawn. Uh, I also wouldn't say it's returned fully to the glory days yet, but I think we're well on our way to becoming the club we once used to be. Um, This is the best Arsenal scene that I can remember watching in my lifetime. The style of play, the dominating dominating performance of being, I mean, it was probably one of the most one-sided one-nil performances I've watched against Chelsea in my in my life on Saturday on, on Sunday sorry and it's just great to be an Arsenal fan I and mean, there's an incredible buzz around the club and everything is going really well yeah and I mean I guess most recently what's been good to see is that when you're assessing the kind of real pedigree of a side it's whether they can come back from adversity right Definitely. and I think most I don't know if you want to come in on this Mr Fowler but it's been a kind of it's been a, a potentially quite difficult couple of weeks for Arsenal but actually I mean two wins at two wins in the last two weeks in the league yeah I mean difficult it, it, results in Europe but it's fantastic I mean I, I'm old enough to remember the glory days <laughs> uh, it's been a long time coming back and we are some way from that um, but yeah, we, we've had an amazing, I mean, when we went into October, I was thinking, well, we, can we possibly get through this? Uh, we've been quite lucky with injuries uh, because the real problem, which I really hope Arteta and Edu are going to solve in January, is that our squad is just not deep enough to compete yeah. uh, through January, February, March. And it, I can honestly say with with a lot of conviction that if we don't buy two really good players particularly someone to cover in midfield and I think someone to cover up front uh, Jesus as well because Enketia as you can see from our Europa League I know we won our uh, our group but we did not play well in mm. several matches we were very fortunate mm-hmm. to win the group mm-hmm. um, and the trouble is as soon as you get rid of our spine as soon as you get rid of Jay- you bring in Enketia and Lekonga then we look like a second rate team and is this of all the seasons the most difficult one for I guess the high performing teams a sort of shallower squad with the World Cup coming up yeah well we don't know we just got to pray I mean almost all it's awful because I was sort of slightly praying that Martinelli and Jesus wouldn't be called up for the Brazil squad which is very unfair because they deserve to be but actually most of our top players are going out there and so you know a couple of injuries would would be disastrous for us and I mean they're not even Man City can afford to lose their top I mean if they lost Haaland or De Bruyne they would struggle but the depth of squad is so much bigger I mean United Tottenham, Chelsea have deeper squads than Arsenal. We are very shallow, uh, except in defence, actually, where we've got reasonable cover. Yeah. Uh, and he desperately needs to spend 60, 70 million and buy two quality players. And if he does, we won't win the league because I'm sure, I think Man City are the best team in the world. So I'm sure in the end they will win the league. But I think if we, if he, I think we're playing great football and it's fantastic to watch. We played brilliantly against Chelsea. I thought, actually, I really did. It was mm. one of the best performances I can remember for a long time. Mm. And we've beaten, amazingly, having struggled against the top six for many years, we've now beaten Tottenham, Liverpool and Chelsea. It should, of course, have beaten United, but they just got two breakaway goals <laughs> at the wrong time. Yeah, and I guess that's probably been a criticism of Arsenal teams over more recent times in that, you know, They've often looked good, but not had not put teams away basically, and 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 you know often actually get got thrashed by the top top teams. Yeah. Um, Mr. Morris, what did you make of the team, the performance against Chelsea on Saturday? I think it was at uh, like I said the, the most one sided one nil game I've seen in a yeah. long long time. I think if you were to have watched that game, um, you would have seen that we completely battered Chelsea, completely stifled everything they had. Their only outball was to try and 
go long over over Zinchenko to Sterling, but our high press just boxed them in. There were times where Thiago Silva was just running out, and this one as well as most experienced defenders just running out and having no options, just with his arms in the air, um, and that was that was great to see. And there's been so many times we've gone to the bridge over the years and been humbled, and we've gone like we said we've gone gone to Anfield and been humbled. We've gone to the Etihad and been humbled and. It's so nice now to to go to these grounds and actually think, oh, we've got we've got a really good chance. If not, we are the favourites today. Um, and it's great to see this side that's grown under Arteta. And it's been there. There were some tough times at the start, but I think I personally have believed in Arteta since the start. I wanted him when we appointed Unai Emery um, when there was talk of that. And I think this project has been so nice to see. It's almost been like. Um, the American side ownership and their their model with the Rams where they employed a really young coach and backed him from the start mm-hmm. and there was a lot of adversity there and they stuck with it. They've employed that same style of project to Arsenal yeah. and it's been great to see it flourishing throughout. I guess on that, I mean, it's not directly relevant to Arsenal, but I guess what what do we make in terms of Glenn Potter at Chelsea? I mean, quite a tough couple of weeks for him. Uh, having gone to Brighton and obviously lost his former club, and then and then now losing it, he looked. It was at home. It was at Stamford Bridge, wasn't it, it was, on yeah, Saturday? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how long? How patient will Chelsea stay uh, uh, with him? Famously, not the most. They don't have guy. a record of being patient. <laughs> I, I'm a great fan of Potter. I, he, did, he did an amazing job at Brighton, who are my second team. Good, good uh, team. Yeah. I, I love Brighton. I think they are the most wonderful team and I think they're the best example in the whole Premier League of a team that with very little money that sells a lot of their best players but Mm. they must have the best scouting team in the Premier Mm. League I mean look at the mistakes that a lot of these big teams make I mean where they find all these outstanding players I think Brighton are incredible and Potter did an amazing job what I felt rather sorry for him for actually is that I don't I don't think I've seen a Brighton team play as badly as Chelsea played (laughs) you know it's really odd and I think it's that same problem He's, he's moved from this lovely little club with with a brilliant scouting and a fantastic atmosphere to good old toxic Chelsea you know yeah. and I feel a bit sorry for him in a way mm-hmm. I, I think he might struggle yeah well unfortunately money talks in that respect yeah. I mean it's what you, it's interesting what you say about Brighton scouting I mean I am a Brighton fan not not as passionate a football fan in general as these guys but I agree I mean I, I was watching match the day on Saturday and this guy Karu Mitoma showed up <laughs> for Brighton I mean never and heard this of him guy, before. how do you say Saikado he's a brilliant player he's exactly what Arsenal need yeah, actually yeah. I mean, you know, but they find him. Well, I, well, they paid eight million for him or something. I mean, yeah, I think it was I mean, even less than that. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know, given we got Ethan in the studio, we may as well talk a bit about Man United. Go, poor old yeah. Ethan. Yeah, Ethan, talk to us. What what went wrong on Saturday? You were playing Villa, right? Um, yeah. Unai Emery's first game in charge there, um, and and yeah, I mean, well, tell us about it. What happened? To be honest, it was probably the worst defensive performance I'd seen in the first half maybe my entire time watching United ever. They looked really uncomfortable after about the second minute and after and afterwards we were just downhill from there. Um Aston Villa were really lucky to were really lucky to not score more in my opinion. We're really unlucky to not score more. And um we got lucky. But Lissandra Martinez, who in my opinion has actually been quite fantastic this season, he looked quite poor in that game. He opened up a lot of space, especially for that Leon Bailey goal. Um, the free kick was more unfortunate, in my opinion. Um, I mean, you don't give away free kicks in those positions, but then again, you have to say that it was it was really awful. We didn't even score in the game. Jacob Ramsey scored an own goal yeah. and scored again. 
<laughs> afterwards and got an assist. He was fantastic in that match. He was yeah. unfortunate to get an own goal, but yeah. we were clearly not the better side in that game as we should have been. Our teams have been quite deceptive in the past and I think that's what's happening again. And what's your take on the kind of the big elephant in the room, the Ronaldo situation? What What does the club need to do there? Is it healthy to have him in the squad or do you have to pick him being you know the player he is? I think Ronaldo is clearly arguably the best player of all time. I mean, he's certainly one of the best, but um, he's just not the same player he used to be. You can even see that from the positions he's played. He was an explosive right winger, full of skills, moved on to become a goal-scoring winger, then sort of switched to the left side of Madrid, Mm -hmm. then started playing as a striker as he got older. And now he's just not even that good a striker anymore. I think Martial has been way better in his time. He fits the system more. Ronaldo doesn't fit the system and will sign almost purely for um, financial reasons, essentially, just to sell more shirts. And right now, you can see that happening. You can see the effects of that because although I do think he's had a good a good effect on some of the young players in the squad, I see a lot of players getting better because of having him around, like Garnacho coming in and scoring on and scoring on his full European debut and doing the Ronaldo celebration, you can tell that mm. um, he's learning a lot from lot from him. And with having him does improve some younger players, but it makes the team as a whole worse when we get on that field. And his attitude towards being at the club also isn't positive for anyone. Mm. So I think the idea here is just to let him run out his contract. Yeah. Um, make sure he gets used to being a player that starts on the bench. Yeah. And... Basically, don't let him be a sport a sport kid because if you give him his way, then we will suffer as a whole. The entire club will suffer, and I don't want to see that happen again. Because I think Ten Hag, just like Arteta, with time, will will make an amazing team. So far, his signings have been really good. I've really enjoyed watching Malasia. He has that drive that Luke Shaw doesn't always have. He needs to be a bit more polished on the ball, but I see a lot of potential there. Anthony coming in, he's. He's certainly a skillful player. At times, maybe people say he's showboating, but then again, that's what we signed Sancho for, to be that person that goes and takes people on. And Anthony has come on and done that and is producing numbers on top of that. So, Mr Fowler, what, do you have any strong words there from Ethan? A very good breakdown of the United situation. Do you have any views on this one? Yeah, United got a hell of a squad. And I think Ten Hag is, a, is, is potentially a great manager. So, I, to be honest... If I'm being honest, I'm quite worried about United. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll feature in a major way this year. Probably not yeah. quite. But if Ten Hag stays and they sort out a couple of things, you know, I mean, the, the history they've got, the ground they've got, the, the manager money. they got. I mean, surely they're going to be yeah. battling. But I just think I just until Pep goes, I don't see how any of us are going to challenge Man City. Yeah, I just think they're the world's yeah. best team, and I, you know. I think in the end they'll win the league by 10 points and it, and it also feels like a bit of an end of an era for Liverpool as well you know yeah. players getting a bit old the kind of Klopp generation I think so I think if they were lucky to beat Tottenham uh, I was glad they did but uh, to be honest but um, I'm always glad when Tottenham lose but the, the um, but they they were lucky I mean Tottenham dominated the last 25 minutes and they looked slow they didn't look I mean they were like Salah scored two classic good Salah goals but I'm I, I, as an Arsenal fan. I, I I'm not worried about Liverpool this year. I don't. I and mean, we're still 15 points ahead of yeah. them. I don't yeah. think they're gonna. Yeah. I I would be surprised 
because the World Cup could throw everything out. But I'd be surprised if they make the top four this year. Interesting. I just realised we're about to run out of time, but I just I don't want to end before we have looked a little bit towards uh, Thursday's uh, World Cup squad announcement. What I just want to hear from the gentleman in the studio is who might be their sort of left field pick for the squad or, or who might not necessarily be picked, but in their opinion, has should be on that plane. Ethan, anyone in particular you're, you're particularly backing uh, for Gareth to, to name on Thursday? I don't expect it, but James Madison would be incredible to see. Okay, I think so he's a phenomenal player, especially on his day. Charlie, I, I think he will get in. I think he's been playing so well. I think he'd be very foolish not to take him. Yeah, considering the qu- the quality he has and the familiarity of some of the players in the England squad, I don't think that it's too likely, but he'd be amazing. This is a genuine question. How well is he actually playing at the moment? Because Leicester playing, haven't... He, he is playing very well yes. in a team that has been struggling. In a team that's been yeah. struggling. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and, he's, well. and he's, what, a playmaking midfielder? Yeah, he's a, really yeah and goal-scoring. Goal. He's just a very good, skillful player. I mean, I think any team in the Premier League would be, ha- would be happy to have him. Okay. Anyone um, else from your... I'm not terribly good on the England team I mean uh, being a bit Arsenal centric I mean I'm going to be interested to see if Ben White manages to slip in there particularly with the injuries to to other people I think he's had a hell of a season adapting brilliantly to a new position Uh, and I hope for his sake he might get a chance Um, who's going to be playing in our central defence yeah, it's a good I mean, they're going to play old Donkey Maguire. I think yeah, honestly. John Stones is quite set. S- Stones has been well, Stones has if been playing quite well for City, hasn't he recently? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's playing. I mean, he's the. Best. I think that's yeah. our great weakness. Yeah. I think I just don't think our central defence yeah. is world class, is it? Because yeah. Maguire definitely isn't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's nowhere near it. Yeah, and I I'm not not sure who else you can play there. Mm. Um, there's for Kyle Tomori, but. What I'm hearing from some people that actually watch the series is that although he is quite impressive, he's not as impressive as a lot of people make him sound. We saw that against Chelsea in the Champions League. He was he was quite poor to be honest. When he was in the Premier League as well, he was he was good on certain days, bad on certain days, and that inconsistency isn't good for a World Cup squad. I tell you who's been playing really well this season is Rashford. Yeah. yeah. I've been so impressed by him. I mean, he'd see, he really badly lost his way last year, I think possibly because of everything else he was doing. Yeah. There was, there was a, the, yeah. He was coming back from a shoulder injury at the beginning yeah. of the season. He's just, but he's a great player. I think I, I admire him as an as a individual, and I think he's a great player, and would, I hope he gets a chance. Would you try to, get away, try to find a way to get him into the starting 11? Well, like, <sighs> in, playing in support of Kane, maybe? Well, I, I, I would, I would the, mo- the way he's playing at the moment, I would try and get him on if I possibly could. But I, of course, I'm a, I'm a great Saka fan as well. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, How uh, is Saka? Because I know he did he limp off. No, he's fine. No, he's, he's, he's okay. He's fine. Yeah, uh, and he's a, he's a, you know, we, we have a, we're very talented in, yeah. the, in that area. Yeah, uh, and our midfield is solid and solid, dependable. Yeah. I think we're going to lose it because I think we're going to let in too many yeah. goals. Can we hope to get out of the group, though, as kind of minimum expectation? Yeah, remind yeah. me what, who our group is now. USA, was it Iran? USA, and Iran, Iran and, and someone else. Sure. It might be Ireland. No, it's Wales. And Wales. Wales. Oh, you, well, you'll be well, back in there. what, if we don't get out of that group, it's I think you should top pretty embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, we really yeah. should get out yeah. of that group. Yeah. I mean, we've got a chance. Yeah. But, you know, but I think, in you know, these... You do tend, you look at the Italy's of this world, you do tend to win these big tournaments only if you have really impressive defence. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we got yeah. it. 
looking around the squads, I mean, Brazil looks strong. I mean, it's the usual names, really, isn't I think it? They're, I think they're winning the tournament. Okay. Yeah. Brazil are an incredible team right now. They've been playing excellent football. Their only direct challenges are probably Argentina at the moment. Yeah. And um, I just think they're a better squad as a whole. Argentina aren't necessarily known for... Com- perform, performing to the really sum of their parts, yeah. really, are they? Yeah, and you can never... You know, teams like Italy and things, they, they can on their day be very hard. They're always beat. very defensive. Although they don't look particularly... They, they look a bit like Tottenham at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't, they're not much fun to watch, no, but, they, uh, but very... They effective. get a job done. Yeah. Yeah. And chaps, that probably brings an end to what I hope you all, all agree has been a fun and diverse show. You know, we've talked rugby, Camford, we've talked uh, hockey against Marlborough, Great chats about the Cricket World Cup. Lovely to have Mr. Fallowat and Ethan on there at the end talking football. Um, uh, and we'll see you again probably in two weeks' time. Uh, by then, I guess, the Football World Cup might have started. We'll know who's won uh, uh, the England uh, uh, World, the, the Cricket World Cup and the Bryanson Sporting Juggernaut, if I can ki- ki- call it that. We'll continue <laughs> to rumble on. There'll be games against uh, PGS, uh, Dauncey's for the girls, and much, much more. Have a good couple of weeks, and I'll be back with you in two weeks time the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.